This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. What if I told you there was an automotive channel out there that got 10 times the views of Jay Leno's Garage? Well, there is. That company's called VinWiki, and we have their founder, Ed Bowling, in on today to talk about how he made it happen. All that and more today on the Marketing Mad Men podcast. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the Marketing Mad Men with Nick Constantino and Trip Joe. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Marketing Mad Men. Nick Constantino here, and we have got a heck of a show here. First, we got Uncle Dom back in the house. I'm here. Get, after get, turkey. Guest host extraordinaire. Um, popping in again. Uh, we got a special episode. We're talking cars. We're talking content creation. And we are talking VinWiki with Mr. Ed Bowley. And Ed, how you doing, bud? I'm great. Thanks for having me this morning. Good. Very happy to have you. So um, I think one thing that I have learned in my time with you um, that has been brought to light even more is how generational automobiles are oh, yeah. and the love of automobiles you know from the the good old days of just magazines and road and track to now the internet and apps it's just unbelievable how these things were sex symbols and desirable and it's it really you know since i've remembered i've always been that guy i've loved them you, you know i've i've grown up with cars i'm the oldest guy in the room here probably by threefold without a doubt but i go back my dad had a 1959 Cadillac Sedan DeVille with the ultimate phallic symbol tails on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. you know? And I grew up in a gas station, you know, where guys would come in with their hot rods in San Diego and we'd go up to Pomona and we'd do drag racing. So, and it, once it gets in your system as a young kid, it, it stays there for a lifetime. I don't know about you, Ed. When, when did you first really start getting into cars? Well, I didn't grow up in a car-loving family. I wasn't in the driveway changing oil with my dad or my grandfather or anything like that. I had some friends growing up that their dads were into cars, and so it wasn't really until I could start to drive them that I fell in love with the automobile. And that's what I love is that everybody that says they love cars, yep. that means something entirely yep. different. And so mm-hmm. embracing kind of my own brand of automotive enthusiasm over the last couple of decades has been a blast just because it becomes cannonball and road trips and exotic cars and terrible exotic cars and how you recondition them, how you sell them and things like that. And so I've been blessed to have an amazing career, you know, both entrepreneurially and traditionally in the car industry and, you know, now obviously in the creator space. And so it's been a wild journey, but, you know, there's something about those cars that stir something inside of you as a young person that you just can never shake. And I've told a lot of people that, you know, for me, the cars that were cool when I was 16, 17, 18 years old, nothing can ever top that. And yeah. so we spend our lives chasing that. And then what's been fun for me is learning how the market gets influenced by the aging of the people sure. that love them sure. to the point that one day they can try to buy them or get enough credit that they can. And so, you know, walking people through that journey for myself and in their own has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I always tell people, they say, like, we talk about last click attribution, the digital, everyone's digital marketing. Look, no one bought a Mercedes because of a click on an ad. Mercedes is in market to a person their entire life, the aspirational purchase. You know, we're not allowed to say this anymore, but it used to be the beautiful women coming out of the restaurant into the Mercedes. They have been being marketed to for all of life. So it, it, it's true. It is just... 
It is that status. And, and I think a lot of people, it's not necessarily the status. It's the, the engineering and the sexiness that goes into it. And once you're in your first car where you feel that, it's life-changing. I remember for me, um, and this is probably borderline illegal, but whatever, my buddy would wash cars. And that's what he did. He grew up and he washed cars, hand-washed. They brought them to his house. So we had a... It was a CL600, so it was a V12 Mercedes nice. and an Aston Martin, and he was washing. So, we, you know, we're kids. So we take him, and we drag race him down a straight strip as fast as we could. And the Aston took off like a bat out of hell, but eventually the CL, the, because of that V12, just went past it. And to feel what that was like, to think you're winning, and then the, the car comes behind, it was just... It was just, and it, that was it. It was over. I was, I was hell bent. I just wanted to be around the engineering of it and what makes it, and you know, what makes a, an exotic car versus, you know, some of my favorites were the sleeper cars. Like when the WRX Impreza came out at oh, 227 yeah. with that boxer engine, it changed cars. It, the dual exhaust, I just, that part of it, I think, like you said, some people like off-roading, some people like drag racing, some people like nostalgia cars, but there's something for everybody. And I think once you get bit, it's very hard to shake it. When, when I ended up going to Cox Enterprises, I won the lottery as far as car goes because I started out in one division, then all of a sudden I'm an auto trader. And then the guys turn around and said, hey, Don, we need you to help relaunch Auto Trader Classics. Mm. So I got a chance to go everywhere where there was classic cars. And what I found was that the people who were into the cars love the cars. They love the story and the engagement of everybody back and forth. It, it's, it was such a huge community, you know, such a huge family, you know, around it. And that, that's what I love about it now is if you go to a car show, you're nice, the cars are nice. But sitting down and talking to guys like you, Ed, and stuff and talking about the cars is, you know, 80 percent of the experience. Exactly, yeah, and that's what at VinWiki, that's what we're all about, is that the cars are about the stories, and that's what changes the way that they're perceived. It changes their value, and, you know, so I was very impatient with cars. I wanted the craziest cars that I could have as early as I possibly could, and I happened to, you know, be in college at, in 2006 at a time of stated income exotic car loans, and so you could just tell the bank how much money you were going to make <laughs> with them, and so I started an exotic car rental that company well. from my dorm room there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. A lot of people didn't pay those loans. I happened to, and it built up Where's your as well, I share a shower. That's so, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of that in Vegas going around. Why is this loan being paid with dollar bills? Hmm. Well, you know, whatever it takes. And so being able to grow that and learn about the economics of car ownership kind of pivoted me into a sales director position at Lamborghini Atlanta. And that's what I always loved is that you know if you have this goal of owning some crazy car, there's a whole lot of different ways to get yeah. there. And, you know, for me, I've always said that I like to look like I won the lottery 10 or 15 years ago because then I'm avoiding depreciation, which is my greatest allergy. And I'm able to really know that if the car doesn't go down in value, anybody can afford it. Right. And so and especially if you've got the credit to get a 100 percent loan, uh, there was a long time where that worked really, really well. Yeah, it's funny you said that. We've 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 talked about our affinity towards cars and also watches, and I think mm -hmm. watches are very similar in that sense. That like, yeah, if you get the depreciation out of it, you own an asset, so you can own watches for your whole life, sell them for usually more money than you bought them for, and it's mm -hmm. like a nice. It, there's a way to do it, but again, it's sometimes the new and shiny is the best part. And I think one of the things people have learned about cars is it doesn't always have to be new and shiny to accomplish the goal. That's why the Wranglers do so well. Oh yeah, man. Oh man, what's the difference between a Wrangler five years ago and a Wrangler now? Nothing. 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 They're the same car. It's actually probably built better than they because they weren't cut, cutting as many costs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's awesome. So, Ed, I think 
Let's set up more of a 30,000 foot view, okay? From what you've seen, we're gonna go into VinWiki, we're gonna go into the content creator space. What is it nowadays that is fascinating people about cars? What is it when you're talking to people in these stories? What is it, let's not talk about you know the 30s and 40s and 50s, let's talk about now. What is it that is so appealing to the audience today? Well, when you think about people that are, you know, our age, anywhere from 35 to 50 years old, these are the people that have have dealt with some favorable market times. They're in a position in many cases to start to buy some of these cars. The cars have changed so much technologically that there is more of a value gap. There is more of an opportunity. And so we're seeing some really amazing finance companies come into place. We're seeing a lot of crazy auctions popping up. The, the way people are buying cars is changing, not in the way that Cox and everybody's always thought, mm-hmm. but you know we're seeing these enthusiast auction platforms growing like crazy. We're seeing the content creator space influencing far more in taste and trends and in execution than we ever imagined. And so, you know, we're finding that people are empowered to chase their dream cars a lot more than they they were just when they were reading about them in magazines because Mm -hmm. they see the roadmap. They don't just see this guy has this car. They can back up five years of content catalog and start to see, well, how did those pieces come together for him to do that? And, uh, you know, that's what I've always loved is the way that you could trade up and leverage opportunity and, and use whatever resources are available in order to get you to where you want to be and then have the car that you want to use. Because to me, it's so much more than just taking it to local cars and coffee. We've got Caffeine and Octane here in sure, Atlanta, which sure. is the largest monthly car show in the world. And so that's great. But what I want to do is drive the wheels off of it. And so yeah. I just pulled up in a 1976 Rolls Royce that I bought six weeks ago and Drove 4,500 miles, including a cannonball from New York to L.A., took it to SEMA, and then it's got to go on one of these enthusiast auction yeah, platforms awesome. this week. And so it'll uh, it'll be off to the next one via Sotheby's Motorsports. So. That's awesome. And, and, I mean, look, 73 rolls. Like, let's just talk about what the difference is, right? So we're talking about a $400,000 car these days. You buy a Ghost, Phantom, whatever it is. So, you know, that's a 73 car. So how does a Rolls Royce from 1973 compare to a modern luxury vehicle? Like, what, it, what, was, what was the selling point that they could achieve 400 grand on those cars? You know, it's it's one of those things where when it's brand new and it's got the the cows that are massaged the right yeah, way, so yeah. they never have barbed yeah. wire on it. You know, all that <laughs> the things that they brag about with Rolls Royce that's totally valid. But when it starts to get a few years old, and a, the next generation S class has everything right. that that car now doesn't. I've always struggled a little bit personally, ideologically, with chasing it just for the brand because. You know, with our uh, sports cars, your Ferraris, Lamborghinis, McLarens, Porsches, things like that, you know, the, the performance justifies, to some extent, the value. But with... But with, performance is relative. Performance from 1970 and performance than today. I mean, my my Genesis SUV goes 5.6 seconds, 0 to 60. <laughs> it's an SUV, and I bought it for 45 grand. Like, it's just a completely different ballgame. You know, game. Uh, you know my is. 65 356SC, I mean, is a slow car. Uh, you know, but, but and that's where you know this car from the 70s it just feels like such an event to take yeah. it anywhere the same yeah. way your yeah. Porsche would and and that's what I love is that it can take a mundane trip and make it exceptional and, I was driving it though did oh you feel, did you I mean is it is, are the wheels fall feel like they're falling off was it smooth was it the same as it used to be where you don't hear anything like what what did it feel like you know interestingly that's what's most inter- uh, you know immediately in your face is how quiet the yeah. car is because it is a very very quiet car to drive and re- remarkably comfortable you know it leaks a, a liter of everything every 500 sure. miles which i think is right within spec and we've we it didn't break down i mean it's you know flash and flights and things <laughs> yeah. like that but yeah I mean, we we got it up to 122 miles an hour somewhere and it's so fast that the, the wind was popping the doors out enough to turn the dome lights on 
And, you know, it's it's just such a charming thing, the yeah. way it smells, the way it feels, yeah. the way it moves. No, it's not fast, yeah, really, yeah. but it's just lovely. And, I, and that's what I... But that's what I try to focus on because chasing the biggest, baddest, latest, greatest, coolest, whatever thing is a very, very expensive proposition in the automotive world, especially, yeah. you know, right now. There's times, you know, two years ago, that was a very cheap thing to do. Yeah. But, you know, in general, in the aggregate, you know, looking at the way depreciation works, the way ownership costs works, the way you can a- treat it as an asset, that's been my fun. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's funny you mentioned the quiet because one of the things, those old a quiet car is not the same as a car with active noise canceling. Yeah. And nowadays, these have stereos that are, have mics just like noise canceling headphones to mute out the sound. That is not the same experience in going in and a, a luxury car that is built with better glass and insulated and sealed. That is a different experience. So I think we are trying now to fake a lot of the things right. in which luxury used to be. Like, I find it fascinating. I don't care what anyone says, there's a difference between leather. And fake leather. I, I live in a household with active noise canceling. My yeah, wife that, tells me to shut the hell up every time I open my mouth. That's the most active kind. Yeah. That's the most active kind. Uh, well, on that note, since people are telling John to shut the hell up, we're going to take a commercial break. You've been listening to The Market and Man Men on Extra 106.3, and we'll be right back. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at AtlantaRamjack.com. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Okay, here we are. We're back. You know, Ed, I've got a major question to ask you. As you look at the creator content environment, okay, today, what's the biggest thing that you think those people who want to talk about their cars, okay, what do they want to focus on? Don Dixon's OnlyFans page. (laughs) There's a waiting list right now, but he's going to open it up. I ordered a new Speedo for Christmas. Beautiful. Okay. Seriously, what is is the the area that they really want to focus on, the number one thing when they want to talk about the content, you know, when you're doing content? As a content creator in any space, you really run in this dichotomy of authenticity versus consistency. Mm -hmm. And that can be a little bit contradictory because – in general, our most authentic selves, it kind of runs out of content pretty fast. And in order to grow on any platform, you've got to very, very consistently release something. And so with the when we started VinWiki, it was an app. It was a, we call it a crowd-sourced vehicle history reporting platform, kind of like a social version of Carfax. And like anybody that starts a tech company, you think you're going to tap a domino and a butterfly is going to flap its wings in Kansas and everybody's going to download it and tell their friends. And that doesn't work until you reach this ridiculous critical mass of users. And you know, even now, with half a million users in the app, we're not there yet where it's totally self-replicating. So uh, about a year in, we realized, look, you know, we're going to have to kind of shelve this thing. It's just not going where we – and we don't have any money to spend on marketing. 
but we hadn't really explored YouTube. And mm-hmm. I'd, I'd had a little bit of success on YouTube where somebody, a friend would come into town that I knew had a large social presence there, and I'd let them drive one of my cars. We'd talk about the app, and we'd see some downloads. Now, at the time, like 30, 40, 50 downloads was a, a huge Big win, right? Exactly. Days. And so, uh, and that was hugely powerful for me. And so, I literally just called a bunch of car friends and I said, hey, I got a bunch of pizza and beer in the warehouse. Come over. We're going to just sit around and tell our best car stories. And so it was never designed to do anything other than point people towards the app in that these car stories were essentially examples of a handful of posts that could easily belong in the app as people collectively built out the timeline, the history of a car. And it was really those moments, those stories, those ideas that that connected the car with the people that were the most powerful from an entertainment perspective. And so because of the timing, because of the way it worked, because of the quality and everything, we were able to kind of cheat our way into a really, really powerful growth phase on YouTube. And that was really the end of 2007. And so you look at how things have changed even since then, the, the, com- the competition in terms of quality, in terms of frequency, in terms of backing and the, the massive organizations and corporations that are behind some of these channels, some of these pages, it's crazy. So it was really kind of right place, right time, right product. Don't you lose some of the authenticity? You, the second you say corporation, you say some of these things behind it. You said that authentic part. That's probably where that dichotomy is, that once you start leaving the realm and it's just to make money, you lose some of that authenticity. You cannot just come in with a bunch of money and think you're going to create an organic channel. It does not work that way. Am, am I wrong? And just It has to be start from a place. Like you said, you're an app. An app provides a, a, some kind of function, functionality. Right. The videos were support mechanism of the app that just organically became this. You can't fake that. If you had tried no. to fake that, it would have never happened. Correct. Yeah, we can't stage the stories, make up the stories. They have to be the kind of things that have been traded over the bar for generations or years, or, or it's just the craziest thing that happened last week, and I've got to get it off my chest. And so that's been really, really good. And the fortunate thing is that you know, in my experience with interviewing thousands of people, it's that most car guys that have been doing this for a really long time have five to 10 great stories. When you start to get to 20, 30, 40, yeah. 50, they get weaker. Yeah. And so the or they've been thing, grossly exaggerated. Exactly. The five in my head that I can tell are real stories, but I can see how those can go off a deep end pretty quickly. And I I've cannot got 12, say them on I've air. I've got 12.5 stories. There yeah. you go. There you go. And we'll get to the half. When, you know, something's got to fill in February. But I get that. That's where... It's, it's been fun to be able to help people package those into a way to sort of immortalize stories that belong to a larger audience than they could ever find on our own. And yeah. that's really the power of social media. And if you treat it that way, not that I'm chasing that, but this is something that y'all might want to hear. Yeah. The same reason we're doing this to talk about how to market stuff, how to grow things, how to do what we do to make these things work is that, you know, hopefully someone can find it. They can chase down whatever rabbit hole it goes yeah. through. And then it, it continues because exactly. once you see one video, the system's automatically to point you towards other videos and becomes playlist. And I think, and I want to, I want to really give some scale. So I'm going to ask you one question, then I want to follow it with the actual numbers and what you're seeing for numbers, because this is how I understand this. And please tell me if I'm wrong, but in around, let's call it 2018 ish, 17, when all of a sudden all these social media platforms became money makers, real money makers, the barrier to entry got higher. So they, they repressed the money making of the content creators because they thought that they can make money off of them. So getting in now, for example, um, we, we were talking about promoting an event we were doing and the algorithms will not let you promote your own events because you're leaving social media. They want to keep you in there. They were suppressing if you're putting ads on because they want to make the money. 2007, that wasn't necessarily the case. So do you think if you were to start today that you would find the same kind of success you did if you had started today? 
I doubt it. And one of the reasons is that everything's gotten so much more advanced. And mm-hmm. so back then, we could see the algorithm changes in the analytics. We could see when things every six weeks or so, YouTube would pivot what they were favoring. And then you could really figure out, all right, is it watch time? Is it click through? Is it uh, uh, comment engagement, like ratios, things like that? And now we know it really is a culmination of these variables, but in a much more advanced way. And so we were able to approach it both in a way that we wanted to express ourselves, but very significantly from a business perspective of how do I use this platform and the revenue opportunity, both in the platform revenue, brand deals, merchandise, all the things that you can do to make money online, and and then try to figure out, all right, how do we make this most efficient? How do we be as successful as we possibly can? Yeah. One thing I want to kind of set the stage here, I'm not sure the audience really understands the size and scope of, of VinWiki. Everybody's heard of Jay Leno's Garage. Okay, you know about it, you know it. Your audience is roughly 25 times that of Jay Leno's garage. Which is, is and, crazy. I mean, and that's amazing. I mean, you th- th- think about it. I mean, you got Jay Leno, okay, who had a television show for 77 decades, you know, an exceptionally popular individual, huge following, and yet you ha- your, your product, if it will, has, has absolutely drowned out you know, somebody who who is you would think would be uh, the absolute market who leader. Owned prime time te- who owned who, television who owned every day, five, five days a week. Who know? owned the connection with the so audience? Yeah. What do you what do you attribute that to? Your content? Well, I, we've done a, a tremendous volume of content, and so re- releasing videos every weekday, multiples, uh, shorts per week, and things like that, and then also. This year, especially, the call has been across all platforms. And so right. growing on Facebook, growing on TikTok, growing on Instagram and all the things. And it can be exhausting as a because, I mean, it's essentially me and a few editors that make this thing work. It's not a large company. And when you look at media brands, which is hard to even say out loud, that we, but it's they're all bigger than us. And mm-hmm. there's there's an opportunity to leverage that into tremendous growth. But also, we've been able to do it our way and mm-hmm. fit that to the platform to some extent without letting it dilute or interrupt exactly the way that we want to engage with the audience. And that's what made it an awful lot of fun. And so you look at some of these legacy creators uh, from YouTube and from other platforms, mm-hmm. and there is a lifespan. And, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly... It's not forever. I, I don't expect it to be. I'm not even sure I want it to be, but it's it's an amazing ride when you can. And it's and what works is that because it's so broad, everyone can find something. I mean, Jay's got $80 million worth of cars at his disposal, and he's got an amazing team, uh, but both from production and from the mechanic side True. that can make this stuff. And I can't match that content but I have a place where you could come and tell the story of why you love your car and the craziest thing that ever happened and expose that a hundred times what you'd be able to do on your own. And that really is the treasure for me is bringing so many of these crazy stories to light. Last week we had the Wolf of Wall Street Countach. Now everybody Mm -hmm. saw DiCaprio kicking the door open, but we had the story of the 50,000 miles before that. Right. And the guy that owned the car and bought it for seventy thousand dollars, and it sold last or, uh, on Friday night for one point six million. Is, and, is there is is there somebody that you know who has an incredible private collection that you would love to get on and have them share their story about their private collection that you haven't got yet? Oh, absolutely. There's a massive <laughs> list of those, and you know that, that's a really really interesting world, and that, like the. 
not the guys that have two or three cars, but the guys that have a hundred and they've they've got a hundred million dollars worth of a hundred cars. Uh, that's a that's a very very fun thing, and I would love to to be able to move to more of a celebrity style stories and things mm-hmm. like that. But just honestly, only because it will make the everyman stories that I absolutely insist upon having grow in terms of exposure. Certainly, right now, collaboration and the way that you connect to other large personalities and channels and things like that is the path to growth. And so the more that we can harness that and take advantage of it, the more opportunity, the stuff that wouldn't normally get broadcast to the broad audience can. That's the virality. That's the thing, right? When you said, when you talk about Leno, the difference, uh, you looked at this as a data scientist and you are coming coming to this with content creator, but data. And that's probably the biggest problem is most people that want to create content, it is very hard to be creative and analytical. It is not an easy state. I honestly, I pride myself on one of the things compliments I get is I can take the combo of both. Like, cause here's the thing, you can be creative. You can have a 30,000-foot view, this crazy plan. It's the best. How do you execute it? How do you go to the ground level, and what do you start with to execute it? So I think when you talk about the growth and everything, I think looking at it, that data scientist, knowing the algorithms, right? People are talking about that now. No one was talking about knowing the algorithm in 2007. Those are common terms now. They can spell algorithms. The LinkedIn algorithms and blah, 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 blah. So that is much more common. So let's, let's, let's now talk scale. So give us an idea. Talk monthly YouTube numbers. Talk total overall scale. Talk about the engagement, because one of the things I know, the more people listen, usually, the, or, or watch, the shorter the duration is, but you're doing huge time spent listening also, time spent watching, so give us those numbers. Yeah, so we do anywhere from about 20 to 100 million views a month, pretty easily a billion views a year, and uh, that's across all platforms. On YouTube in particular, historically we've always been kind of right around 2,000 years per year of watch time. This year, because of shorts engagement, it's it's a little higher. It's way more views because every platform is trying to fight TikTok and trying mm-hmm. to yep. harness these sub minute yep. views. And th- that's been a little bit of an uphill battle, but uh, just because it's a totally different way to get somebody in the door and deliver something of quality mm-hmm. when they've got less than 60 seconds to consume it. Uh, but we're, again, trying to be adaptive and trying to do that. And so, you know, it, there's for the first half of the year, we were the largest automotive media brand based in the United States. Um, there's only one channel that's larger. It's Supercar Blondie, which has 10 million subscribers based in the UAE. But, yeah, it's been a wild ride to that. And I think, you know, it's been what's been a huge blessing to me is that because it is fundamentally a collaborative space, every other big car YouTuber that comes through Atlanta comes over and tells stories on VinWiki. And we get some of their audience. They get some of ours and it's just a great way for people to kind of survey the offerings of what it all is but when you do think about that like touching a billion people a year or a bunch of people's multiple times to get sure. to a billion views i mean the the ability to expose these great stories so broadly and i never know where and when one is going to take off because since we got such a back catalog Every day, something spikes up from two years ago. And like, oh, people started watching this DeLorean story or whatever it is. And so, you know, I don't know if it's going to do great on Facebook. I don't know if it's going to yeah. do great on Instagram. And giving it the chance is really what it's all and about. I, and I love you said that because what is happening nowadays is this is where AI comes in. And people think if you simply scan what the successful video looked like, that you can duplicate it. Right? And that is it. So I'll tell you right now, they are trying. Every year, all they do is they put Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You into a thing. And they go, how do we make this? It takes all the creative, but but here's the thing: all the creativity comes out of it, and we are as humans, we are unpredictable maniacs. Think about the stock market. Everyone that tried to time the stock market, then all of a sudden one thing happens and it all goes like we are unpredictable. So I love that you're embracing the unpre- unpredictableness. 
of it all, uh, the predictability. Predictability. Because because what I'm saying is is that when you do it and you let it run its course, you may learn something is popular. And nowadays, you know the age of the people who viewed it, and you know this. And what if all of a sudden that 70 Rolls Royce is now starting to be beloved by 22 year olds? Like right. it, you know, I was at we were at actually Motor Cars of Atlanta, which mm-hmm. is the Lamborghini dealership. We did our casino night there on Thursday night, nice. and they have all these gorgeous cars, and I know most of them, but they had this one McLaren out, two million dollar car. They only made a hundred something of them oh, with Nova. these huge wings that looked phenomenally like the old caddy with the wings on the back of that. Right. And you saw this car, and it is not sexy in any modern sense of form, but if you're a car guy, you look at it and go, whoa. They stop dead in your tracks, right? Who who knows who that's going to gravitate towards? Men, women, young, old, Hispanic. Who knows? That's the beauty of cars is what it means to each person is completely different. You know, we're, we're here, we're talking about building a business. So I'm going to shift gears. That was so bad. Just, just a second. Paddle shift. There's PDK transmission, baby. Exactly. When you build a business, the most important thing is the team. So who is the first person that you brought on to help you grow the business and why? So VinWiki became uh, really the, the baby of a lot of us back in 2016. And I had developed probably the healthiest business habit that I could ever sort of evangelize and promote. And that was getting entrepreneurially minded people from various disciplines together Mm -hmm. on a routine basis just to brainstorm. Mm -hmm. No one had their own agenda there, but I had a lawyer, a couple sales guys, a couple tech guys, a couple marketing guys, everybody that I, everybody had a different skill set, a different background, a different set of experience. And we would just all go to dinner once every month or two and say, what are you thinking about? What are your ideas? Mm -hmm. And so VinWiki grew out of a couple of things that I had done personally in tracking my personal cars. Like I would make a a page on my personal website that just had the VIN of every car that I'd ever owned so that when people bought them, they would Google the VINs, find me, and tell me where the cars were. And I found out that one of the Range Rovers had been exported to Russia. One had been going to Puerto Rico. The guy contacts me like, how do I make it leak oil? I said, it's a Land Rover. It'll stop when it's empty. One of the Ferraris got crashed in Texas, another one in California. And so it was so much fun to be able to zoom out from our normal ownership perspective. Mm-hmm. And and do that. And the other thing I'd done is uh, really track a very very rare specific model of Lamborghini called a Murcielago LP640 with a manual transmission here in the U.S. And there's only 33 of them. And I uh, it's my favorite car yeah. ever. And so being able to empirically define the rarity beyond what the factory mm-hmm. was even capable of at the time allowed me to control and understand the market and, and turn them into from a hundred thousand dollar cars into million dollar cars, which has been a whole lot of fun. And so taking those two ideas became the idea for the app which was essentially refined and manicured Mm -hmm. by this group of people who some of them became shareholders that became the developers and the team that did it. And others were just like, we're happy for you. We want to do it. And they did other things. And so I think it's really not just about networking, but about sincere, meaningful relationship building with people that are gifted in different ways than you are on a consistent basis with an end goal in mind of building something that can change the way the world sees something that you care about. You know, you know, I've been in business, you know, a long, long time, you know, 50, 60 years. And, and at the end of the day, because I started when I was 11, remember, it, what I found is that people are exceptionally generous. If you are sincere, if you are absolutely completely open about where you want to go, what you want to do, they understand your motivation, people are exceptionally giving. 
you know, and they love to be part of something yeah. that somebody else loves and they love as well. That's leadership, right? Because yeah. you need somebody at the top that's driving the directive because you can't just have people talking about in a room about nothing. You need that overall top down guidance of where you're going. Um, and you have done a great job. I mean, the property speaks for itself. Uh, the fact that you're walking down the street and people are recognizing you speaks for itself. All these things speak for itself. What does the future of Vinwiki look like? You know, it's it's so hard to guess because I think we're we're doing what we want to be doing right now. That has to grow. It has to adapt. It has to evolve. And so I think in the creator space, there's a huge push for these like Beast Burger Feastables, peripheral companies that do different things. Yeah, the licensing. Now all of a sudden this goes to different tech, different genres. And yes. And so we're exploring some opportunities like that. You know, I'm getting constant investment proposals, which is interesting because mm-hmm. I think a lot of VCs, a lot of investment firms are realizing that the opportunity to leverage creator audiences into other things is is powerful. And we're seeing yeah. that, that we're able to take, you know, this audience that exists on a platform we don't control and not necessarily move them to a different platform, but move them to a different experience, a product, a, a cruise, anything. There's there's a lot of things that you can do to help. And so that's because the, the brand has value. Exactly. The brand that you've created yeah. is not necessarily the content. The brand is it takes on its own entity and the brand has the value because that's what they're trying to license. They're trying to license the brand and the audience in which the brand reaches. For sure. For sure. And, and what is so cool with a hobby and the, the automotive passion is a hobby at its core. And when you are able to connect with people, not over your working schedule, not over your kids, not over your mm-hmm. social things, but really over this passion, this interest, yeah. the power of that to radically change your life in a very short amount of time is amazing. And, and these connections that were getting forged on automotive forums or forums of any kind or on Facebook or on a specific platform, they're now starting to transcend and starting to be event-based and things like that. And so I think we're going to see a lot more in that direction. You know, collaborations have been a big part of what I've done on YouTube throughout, but we've done a project called Car Trek that was really just knocked off Top Gear for the last few years, and it is as fun as it could possibly be. And fortunately, that was the product of a sponsor, Auto Tempest in this case, seeing what we do and saying, we want to empower you to do whatever higher-end production product you want to do, and we'll be the backer, we'll be this, you know, kind of the facilitator, but just go, just do it. And, I mean... You know, imagine the fun of just saying, "Go do whatever you want in cars," yeah. and it's gonna be we're gonna buy terrible. That rarely, that rarely happens these days, especially exactly. in an economy like we're in with, with with high interest rates and the money's not free anymore. You never get that, and honestly, the only time you'll ever get a real organic advertising product is if that is allowed, because it can't feel like an advertisement. It has to feel like it's an extension of the brand in which you're going out with. So um, I, I commend you for that as well. That's uh, you know, I've seen some of that content, and you feel like you're part of the gang, like you're in the car, like you're the guy on yeah. the rig with the shoot. You feel like you're part of that, and it just it does. Not, it doesn't happen anymore. You don't feel like you're part of that community. And I think that is one thing I say. I would call what you do as much of a community as I would content. It feels like you're part of a community, and it is so hard to duplicate that these days. Yeah, and the, the engagement of, of the people who are visiting the site, visiting, using the app, and then the, the, the opportunity for them to engage with each other and find friends and find people of like minds is a tremendous part of the selling proposition at the end of the day. Because, because I, as I can do that, talk, talk to us a little bit about what happened during COVID. Did, did you see spectacular growth? What, what was the audience like and the engagement like during COVID? Well, COVID changed everything for the audience and for the sponsors. And so when we come back, I think that's what we should really talk about is how we've been able to repackage 
our both our product offering to the consumer and our product offering to the brands in order to make it so much more effective. Yeah, and that should be an extension of marketing, right? Yeah. The best sponsorship deals are when you feel like it's part of the stadium. The sports deals, they used to just be throw a billboard up, right? right. Throw your name on the stadium. You can't do that anymore. Now it's about recruiting and how do you... So I think that is a great topic. Um, we got another minute here. So there's one thing I want to close on. You're in a unique space. How many content creators you think there are in this country that are doing things on the scale of what you guys are doing with VinWiki? It could be music. It could be. I'm just curious how many people because it's 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 the numbers are massive, but I think the the actual influencer and content creator space is bigger than people actually think it is. Oh, it certainly is. I mean, I think you know we're consistently in the top you know twenty to top one hundred depending on the metrics of success in automotive. That's crazy. Top hundred. You're talking Leno is a twenty fifth, so that means he's a hundredth of somebody else's. It's just nuts. Yeah, and so it's and that's and that applies to every single genre and interest and idea and so you multiply that by easily you know 250 mainstream interest sets um you know that's probably just age specific and so yeah i mean you're talking about tens of thousands of content creators i think i'm 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 top thousand uh content creators in the u.s for sure. I don't know exactly just, where it is. But. That is just wild. And you wonder why no one's watching freaking Court TV at 2 p.m. with so much content out there. Except Don. My that's because no, no, Don's wife. on there. Uh, so so, so yeah. uh, anyway, this has been a great discussion. we got one more segment left. You've been listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union. Free online and mobile banking. No minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. All right, welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. We got Mr. Ed Bowling here. We got Mr. Don Dixon here. We've had a great discussion so far. Um, just the sheer size of that content creation, it, it's just unbelievable. Uh, I wonder when I hear Uncle Sam's going to start cracking down a little bit more this year. So I'm curious to see what I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with that. We'll have to see if we'll have to see if Ed's been uh, fudging his books towards the end there. Um, he but, would never do that. We're tight. <laughs> We're tight. But um, so let's let's take this out of the marketing to B 2 C or to a person. And let's talk more about the sponsorship side of this because, you know, in doing this podcast, this is about our 130th episode. One of the things that people always get wrong is that people are just going to come to you and say, hey, I want to give you money. I want to sponsor you. And the best advice I ever got was you create your own demand. So if you go out and you sell like, hey, this is the sexiest property that there is, you should come take a look. You're going to catch a lot more fish than if you sit there and wait for someone to come to you. So talk about how you approach your partnerships and talk about how you approach those sponsorships that really sets you apart because, you know, I know YouTube isn't paying you 100% of the money. I know I know there's a hefty fee how going, to, going to Uncle Alphabet at some point, and I know that they change algorithms to pay a little bit more to Uncle Alphabet than they have. So how have you approached sponsorship and partnerships that have allowed you to stand out from the rest? 
Oh, for sure. And it's really the biggest part of what allows us to do what we do. It's the only thing that's going to be consistent at the end of the day because the platform revenue is wildly variable and it changes all the time. And that's that's great because some months it's great and some months it isn't. But at the end of the day, the only way that we can chase consistency and long-term relational value is through brand deals. And at VinWiki, we do things a, a little bit differently because we're releasing so much content and we, we package them by month and really by the year. And so all of our sponsors are renewing each year because it's the most powerful advertising any of them tell me that they have. And that's because the connection is so much more than just putting their messaging in front of someone. It is curated by the content creator, you generally by me or by one of our storytellers. But we also wrap in a lot of other peripheral benefits. And so, for instance, like when, uh, when I take on a sponsor, there'll be the placement for a, an entire month of weekday long-form content, right? And do you know what that month looks like in advance? Are you that mapped out or are you improvising? You're like, hey, you know, this would probably look good here. Or is it a little bit of both? A bit of both. I okay. mean, we usually have about 150 unedited videos recorded and ready. So you can be timely moment. if you need to. It exactly. doesn't have to be completely pre-canned. And a lot, of it ha- a lot of it has to do with the, with the sponsor, too, and their category. Sure. You know. yeah, yeah, that's I, why I asked. And, and, I, and I've got to give you kudos. We, we pulled up together we parked this morning somewhat side by side and your car the car the the rolls was there this morning and it's got brands all over it your partners exactly exactly so we try to build in things exactly like that where if i were going to cannonball this car it's going to have stickers of all of our sponsors for the whole year on it and so those and that means everyone takes a picture and then they post to their social media and that's where that virality comes into because now everyone's posting and the web just goes outward as opposed to seeing it on a tv channel and being that closed audience and we're doing end of year wrap up stuff right now in December. So I posted a picture of the fender of that Rolls Royce with all the sponsors down at NASCAR style. And I tagged all the sponsors. So I said, look, and not, I'm not just telling you go see these people. I'm showing as, as much as I possibly can, which fortunately has grown hugely. So for instance, that oh, generally every month of videos is going to get about 5 million views of mm-hmm. those long form things. But we put their logos in the outro of every video for the year. We put their links in the description of every video for the year. So that's another 100 million long form, billion yeah. short form impressions. Now, those are lower impact. Yeah. I'm not charging for that. But that's the frequency that. required. But exactly. We have ADD. We need the constant reminder of these things because maybe you catch them a secondary point. Yeah, but when, it, but, but when somebody on the brand side is going back to justify their budget, you know, that's, that's important. Look at the peripheral you know, reach I'm getting. Yeah, it drives results. And the other thing we love doing is if it's if it's a sponsor that really does have an executive team or a personality that can represent them and come tell stories, these are generally automotive companies. Yeah, and right. so they're able to come in and say, well, this is how we started this. This is our journey here. This is really what we're able to do. Like we had the Lemon Squad on. They do vehicle inspections. And they said, you know, we don't we're there to look at quality of cars. But one of the things that we do every day by accident is beating scams because mm-hmm. these are cars that don't exist that we show up to inspect. They still pay us our 100 bucks, whatever the inspection costs, but we just save them from wiring money to some you know, Nigerian prince to, uh, to try to buy a car that doesn't yeah, exist. Yeah, in the early so, days, fraud was an issue on private placement and auto trader. Oh, yeah, I believe it. I, I, my, buddy, my buddy who we raced those, the SMR and the Mercedes, used to roll back his uh, odometer on his Wrangler, so yeah. I've seen it in action. And it was much easier than it should be, mind you. And, to and, roll and back company, a Wrangler is very the, easy to do. To, to the credit of the company, they spent a ton of money fixing it and making sure the customer and, you know, was, was safe, if you will. Absolutely. And so trying to build in a, a broad reach beyond what they're paying 
paying us for, and that's what sets us apart. Now, admittedly, I charge a lot less than almost other big automotive influencer on a CPM basis because my I'm putting it in front of a lot more people. I'm making them buy a lot more exposure. They can't buy a single video, right. and but at the same time. Our audience appreciates that. Yeah. They watch through the ads. They connect with the uh, with the sponsors, and it's been a great experience. I mean, all the way down to we sell cheap VinWiki T-shirts that have the sponsors on the back, just wow. because it's you know another few hundred thousand expo- sure. uh, you know uh, impressions that they're going to get walking around car shows and things like that. And so I think that's where when you think about what you want to do as a content creator. We talked about you want it to be authentic. We talked about you have to be consistent. But if you really want it to have the legs to grow and continue, you're going to have to find a way to package brand exposure into the whatever it is you're doing. And what I tell people that are starting out is that comes day one. Long before you have the audience, you need to start the brand relationships to say, look, this is the type of content that I'm going to make, and this is why it fits your brand. Right. You don't have to pay me much for it right, right. now. You're asking them to invest in you because there's a chance. Realistically, there's a chance it fails, but there's a chance if it hits, and then that's kind of the way VC works, right? They're investing up front. It's ironically how NIL deals work now. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the zero FG energy drink. They invested in Carson Beck. They didn't know he was going to be the starter of Georgia. Exactly. Now, do you know how much that NIL deal is worth? He's asking for a million dollars now. They got it for like five grand in an energy drink. Early so on. you're investing. You're asking someone to invest, which means, one, you have to be a good salesperson. Two, you have to believe in what it is you're doing. Um, And then ultimately, when it's all said and done, the data supports the decisions in which you're making. Because that's another big part of this. You have a huge data set. So you know ages and you know and you're matching up. Most clients, most companies don't even know who their target demo is. They know who they want to reach. They don't know who they are reaching. And those are very different things. So that data then supports it. So, um, you know, this has been awesome. We got about two or three minutes left. What advice do you give? We just laid out a lot of it. Somebody who wants to start, you start with your brand, but what advice do you give people when they're thinking about giving up, when they don't have enough content, they're not getting, they're not getting the people, the eyeballs that they thought they were going to? What advice do you give those people so they can push through and hopefully make a career out of this? You, know, you hear the advice that you know, it, it, the, the success percentage of what you try is going to be a lot lower than you imagine. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's easy to get 10 videos in, 20 videos in, 100 videos in, and, and realize oh, I've only had one or two that were you know remotely successful. But you know you may get to the point of making thousands of videos and realize that you know only five percent. And so if you weren't into a margin where that was possible, you could not even have given yourself yeah. the chance to be successful. And so it takes patience. The biggest thing in anything you're trying to turn into a job is that jobs take a lot of time. And so don't expect to just tap that domino and the whole world topple over, understand that you have to treat something that you want to be a job like a job long before it becomes a job. Yeah, and you get better at it, That's right? It. You do something a thousand times before it becomes it becomes a habit. So one of the things when I was starting to do this is I just want to be good enough that my 300th episode is good. How, how would my second episode be good? I've never been in front of a microphone before. The, the, right. the, other, thing, the other thing, too, is you, is you have to be really open to positive, constructive commentary right. you know, and seek it. Not just not just wait and have somebody say something to you, but you want to seek it. Tell me, what can I do better? You know, when I grew my business, the first thing I'd always say is, what can I do better for you? As you meet with clients, as you as you meet with people who are, are who want to work with, what can I do better? 
And that's surrounding yourself with the right people who have the relationship to be honest with you. Because most people, especially down south, are not telling you that to your face. you got to push to get those answers. I readily share that feedback all the time. But uh, anyway, this has been a great conversation. Don, thank you. Ed, thank you. Congrats on the business. Everyone go check it out. What's the easiest way? What's the barrier to entry? How do we get them in? How do we get them to start? Just go start going on YouTube and looking things up? Type VinWiki into anything on the internet. On anything on the internet. That's what he said. You've been listening to The Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3, and we out. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps it $5 minimum balance required. Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart, and there needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomcloset.com and then call us for a free in-home consultation. 